You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Welcome back to The Quest. Number 90 on this Quest for 100. We're still uncertain as to if we're going to 100, if we're going to more than 100. I don't know. I don't know where this. We don't like talking about it. Yeah. We just, we just acknowledge that it's coming, and then eventually that conversation will happen. Yeah. At 99, we'll probably have that conversation. But uh, it is I, Brian, joined as always by my friend on the other end of a Zoom, Justin. How's it going, Justin? going groovy brian all is well yeah groovy yeah yeah very uh hip lingo for for the era that we're going to be discussing i was just gonna say all all is all is well over here this is a uh a fun topic that i did not know much about to be completely honest i feel like i am was undereducated and the cool thing about this topic in particular that I, I am excited about is that the stats that I learned were really cool, but I still feel like I don't know the full story of Woodstock or at least, you know, the history of it. So I'm actually really excited to still learn more from that, even from sometimes some topics you just you learn everything when you're doing your um, stats or history. I'm sure you get stats when you're looking at history. But this one, I still feel like a lot of, gaps that i um that i'm hoping that you'll fill a couple of um it's, it's a cool topic today yeah for sure i think they're i mean we're not going to be able to cover everything because it's it's basically no. a three-day event right and and yep almost every or 24 7 basically not quite but mm-hmm. there's just a lot a lot of stuff to cover but before we really get into you know the topic just what have you been up to since last time, Justin? Yeah, uh, not not a ton, but I've I've been keeping up my trying to do once a week golfing, um, which I we I promise we won't spend uh, ten minutes talking about that. I had a I had a couple people mentioned our our golf discussion, our golf discussion digression, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, in the last, but. Uh, which, which shout out to uh, listener Alex, a uh, friend of friend of mine. He uh, he actually called out and said that he was curious if because he stopped he he didn't quite finish when he sent the comment yet. But he's like, I have a feeling that your delusional thinking question is going to be should Chambers Bay be a uh, wonder of the world with how much you guys are talking about it. <laughs> And, and I said, well, you know, if it, if it was an option, it is pretty cool. But but no, anyway, so uh, I, I've, I've kept up the golfing. I promise I'll keep this short. But I, I did go out with another another listener and, and my wife. We played, the three of us played a full 18 holes. Uh, we went down to Whispering Furs, which is on uh, at JBLM, uh, which is the, the base down south of Seattle. And uh, yeah, played 18. It was the first time I played 18 with Alyssa and uh, with with my friend who also has never really played golf. It was a very long round. Yeah. Um, it was about five and a half hours Ooh. to finish. And there was nobody in front of us because we were taking a while. But 
it was it was a lot of fun just to kind of get out there again and and uh i shot better at chambers than i did there so mm. I well, found the, my ball is it's not a fan of trees. Yeah, there's a lot of trees down there. Whispering yeah. firs, as Whispering firs. as the the name suggests, means yes. a lot of trees. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I actually thought Alex might have asked if we've ever played golf together. We have not. So weirdly, not we ha- we haven't. We've uh, we were members of the same course at one point. But I am intimidated by Brian. And <laughs> So, well, though I do, I will say I, I do have, I feel like I have a handicap now. I, I've calculated it. So we could have, it, you would probably be frustrated with me, but like if we ever did play, we could find a way to keep it interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe one day, one day. Yeah. Uh, so since last time for me, I did have a, a friend get married. And unfortunately with this COVID-19 era that we live in, was unable to attend and so had to to experience my first wedding through zoom and mm. so that well i guess technically i i was facetimed in so it was a one-to-one conversation it, it interesting. wasn't what is it even zoom but it, it was pretty interesting um you know beautiful setting um right on a lake and and everything and um you know nice wow. to see nice to be able to be a part of it in some little way because I, I wasn't able to attend so that was that was my Friday evening. So you know, shout out to I think I think uh, my friend Katie has listened before. I, I doubt she's gonna make it to episode ninety, but uh, we'll, we'll hey, see. maybe Woodstock is her topic that she's really interested. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. No? <laughs> I don't know. All right, well let's uh, let's jump into some news. All right. Well, my news comes out of the Bethel Woods Center, which is actually where the Woodstock happened in, in 1969. Uh, and it's, you know, been transformed into the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts. And my only really news that I could find, because it, it was actually very hard to find news on Woodstock, because there are multiple cities in the United States that are named Woodstock. Thus, anytime you look up Woodstock, yeah. you're finding information about the city or you're finding information like it being referenced in, you know, someone saying a event like Woodstock or something like that is popping up. Nothing about actual Woodstock. So this uh, Bethel Woods Center for the Arts is announcing that they have... Uh, the return of their harvest festival which is the harvest festival farmers market and this is entering its 22nd year uh bethel being uh, in somewhat upstate new york i don't know if you would qualify it as upstate new york it's it's not in manhattan is the only thing i can you know say for for new york <laughs> so as a west coaster i don't know if that's that's like a faux pas yeah yeah i don't know but you're from that area I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> okay. Well, so this farmers <laughs> market, response. this farmers market, obviously with the the COVID nineteen coronavirus stuff, uh, they're trying to figure out if it was going to continue, and it will continue. It's going to begin on August thirtieth and continue through October eleventh. Obviously, they're going to um, 
you know, have to do a bunch of, of the protocols and, and safety measures like one-way foot traffic. Um, they actually had to increase the footprint of the festival to disperse the vendors and guests just to reduce the density. Among other things, you know, reducing some of the attractions that were there, requiring face masks, all, all that type of stuff. You know, your, your typical safety protocols that are happening now. But um, I thought it was interesting just to know that this, this site continues to live on as, you know, a usable space for people in, in the Bethel, New York area. Nice. Yeah. Well, mine, uh, you know, somewhat similar. And, and as you mentioned, this is, we're, we're talking news related to a event that happened 51 years ago. Um, and which we didn't call out, uh, as we'll, we'll get into this, like it, it happened. There's a reason why we chose this timing for Woodstock. Uh, it, it obviously happened around this time, um, about 51 years ago, but, but mine was, uh, actually from Michigan and uh, it was that they've been having this what they call Michigan Woodstock for the last 50 years so it, they do it in this town called Jonesville I'm sure it's not the only place that has done something like this but for the last 50 years uh, it's called the Goose Lake Music Festival nicknamed the Michigan's Woodstock uh, it began on August 7, 1970 uh, in a field along the shores of Goose Lake in eastern Jackson County. And they actually still plan to have this. It was uh, August 9th was when it happened. There hasn't been a recap of it yet, but, but the article talked about how, you know, despite the pandemic, uh, which kept a couple performers back, they still had 32 bands take the stage during a five-day uh, ceremony or, or five-day festival. Uh, starting on the ninth, so I guess it's still happening right now. It's five days. Yeah, I definitely uh, have heard of it. I, I mean, I heard. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I've not. I just yeah. this week though, I, I heard about it because it, oh, okay. they, it made news that this was still going on despite all the COVID nineteen. So I, I saw a couple, you know, photos of this. Uh, I guess a bunch of boats lined up on on the shoreline, and uh, you know, just massive amounts of people. Yeah. that we're still gathering. Yeah, and, you know, as, as they should, they said uh, attendees are encouraged to wear a mask and social distance um, and even had the options to remain in their cars or boats to watch the performances uh, on the main stage, which I thought, you know, obviously makes a lot of sense. But I thought it was cool. I mean, they, they uh, I believe the tickets were 15 bucks, which is what they charged back in 1970. So they've just maintained the same price for 50 years, which is really cool. And I think that's really in the spirit of what Woodstock, whether they wanted it to be or not, was about. So uh, I just thought that was kind of cool that they, they kept it going. It, it stinks that it was affected by all of this, but, um, but they, they kept it going. Well, I, I mean, the fact that they continued, you know, we'll see how that all shakes yeah, out. Yeah, no, it may be a totally negative thing at the end of this and they, you know crowds and all that but i i haven't seen pictures so i don't know if if they've effectively because uh, you've seen the car stuff like people doing it in cars and watching movies and all the other stuff but yeah my guess is the vibe of a festival like this probably will not bode well for uh optics yeah all right or help well let's uh let's jump into some dropping knowledge
And you know what I forgot, Justin? We oh, buried the lead. You did. It's been a while. You've been we've been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blame it on yeah. me. It's not just me. Well, I know it's not just you, Brian, but you're I'm trying to give you credit here. You have been on top of it to remind us to unbury the lead yeah. most of the times. So, yeah. Uh, but you you failed us today. I, I did so. fail. We failed. <laughs> we failed. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, you kind of talk, talked about it a little bit. I really had no information on Woodstock. Obviously, I knew Jimi Hendrix played at Woodstock, and, and that was a very in, infamous, famous? I don't I don't know if it's infamous or, or famous performance. No, fa- well, infamous, I feel like, is negative. Well, I, I just... Or could be often construed as negative. I mean, it depends on who you are and could be construed as a negative star spangled banner performance right true and and well so- known for some bad quality or deed so i don't think jimmy would say that woodstock he was infamous for it i think you could, oh, say, you could he say, was- say but that's perception right like that's people's per- it's i think most people's perception would well, agree with me here yeah, I don't but know. continue I don't know. A- anyway so i didn't really have you know much to go off of obviously i knew it was this massive concert kind of a hippie concert that uh just overtook the area that it was in uh but other mm-hmm. than that i really didn't know much i didn't know you know who all played at woodstock to be honest like yep. m- music I- i'm not the best at knowing bands names and all that type of stuff so i think we've talked about that before um yeah so you know i, I really knew jimmy and that was about it I mean, if you put maybe named a couple other bands that were in there, I might have been like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I know who they are." Didn't know they played at Woodstock, but yeah, yeah. Well, well, the, to just address what you just said, because I've, I, I've, a couple people have asked me in the past with in regards to you, Brian, because you might be the own, you might be the the person that I know that is least tied to pop culture. I have ever met in my life <laughs> and and like I'm not even shocked by it anymore I just kind of like oh yeah of course you don't know any you know x y and z or whatever and you're like a super smart guy you're like very educated in a lot of things and and I feel like in sports you you'd probably like be really really good at like everything related to that uh, even that um, though like I'm not great at trivia that, really I, I'm not oh. I'm not great at memory like I don't vividly remember like you know information bits of information like if i experienced it i will remember it but like just yeah who won the super bowl in in you know whatever like the super bowl 20 like i have friends who can list every super bowl winner and and who they played like that's the yeah random trivia like that i have no clue i guess yeah i guess what i that's a good point you do but you are one to experience the sports or at least, you know, enjoy them as they're happening. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of the pop culture, like music and TV and movies and most other things that everyone else in the world talks about, not really your thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so just acknowledging I that say, here. I was, I was watching MLS is back right before recording this. You know, so I, I'm choosing yeah. to watch live rather than I'm choosing to, you know, watch something there you, there that's you I, that's a feature. 
I, that is very true. And uh, that's where we differ. But as it relates to like Woodstock and, you know, my connection, um, you know, I, I enjoy many, not all, certainly not. I didn't know a lot of them um, when I was looking at some of the roster, but um, there was a lot of artists on there that I enjoy that were, you know, iconic artists for me growing up. Now I grew up in the nineties. That sounds ridiculous to say, but I had older siblings. I've mentioned this in the past that grew up listening to Hendrix and the who, uh, you know, Santana, like guys like that, that, you know, we're changing music. And I feel like everybody goes through that rebellious phase of, of music oftentimes. And for my older siblings, I felt like that was their rebellious music was um was 60s and 70s like the rock and roll like real rock and roll so i i kind of grew up younger years with with a little bit of this music and so and then i was i was in a, a band as well uh for a couple years we've talked and, about that yeah 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 and so like we played some of the songs by by some of the artists here so anyway i knew the artists fairly well at least uh, a handful of them fairly well but like I said earlier, I did really, it just was this big hole. Like we've talked about, I think Bruce Lee, this falls in the same category as Bruce Lee for me. You know who he is. It's kind of this iconic thing yeah. or person, yeah. but you don't know anything about him. And for me, I knew that it was a big festival and it was the coolest thing and one of the greatest music festivals of all time. And millions of people went or thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people went. And that was all. So I couldn't even I couldn't even told you who was I, I probably could have told you Jimmy played there, but I, I would have had no I would have probably guessed probably some wrong artists as well. But uh yeah. So my knowledge is really limited in Woodstock, uh and which makes me both upset with myself that I haven't been educated, but also excited to learn a little bit more today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think one of the, the big differences is obviously you have siblings, right? And so like you right. yeah. would have been exposed to this. Like I, I kept thinking about, well, man, I mean, I would have listened to some of this from my parents, but not, you know, a little bit, but not that much. And, you know, it's your parents' music. It's not, it's not your siblings, your cool older siblings music. Right. And mm -hmm. so that's why I just never really got that exposed to it. Santana, maybe a little bit, but again, no clue he would have played there. So, well, he was kind of evergreen. Santana was big in the – I mean, he was starting around Woodstock time, I think, if I remember correctly. And then – but he – I mean, he was playing music. He's still playing music, I yeah. think, with as like, you know, an add-on to a, like a Bieber song or whatever. Like, he's just amazing guitarist that can just go with everything. Yeah, but I mean, like, even the Grateful Dead, you know, I, I know a lot of these names. I yeah. couldn't have told you what song they sang that they played here all those type of things. So let's try to educate the people. Cause I'm sure there's people who are a lot more educated than us on, on this topic, but maybe they'll learn a little bit about some history or some stats in our dropping knowledge segment. As we normally do since we already introed it and buried the lead, but now we're actually going to do it. In our dropping knowledge segment, I am the history guy. Justin is the stats guy. Ninety episodes straight, we are going history first. So in 1968, John Roberts and Joel Roseman 
were New York City entrepreneurs who were working on building Media Sound, a large audio recording studio complex in Manhattan. And you also had Artie Cornfield, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and Michael Lang. And they were looking to start their own smaller studio in Woodstock, New York. Cornfield and, and Lang's lawyer, Miles Lowry, advised them to co- connect with uh, Roberts and Roseman about their project and, and just get some advice. So Roberts and Roseman weren't that impressed with the quote-unquote studio in the woods concept that was proposed, but they did propose a concert featuring the artists that like to frequent the Woodstock area, and this actually included Bob Dylan and the band. Uh, so in, in January 1969, Woodstock Ventures was formed by those four guys. And in April 1969, Creedence Clearwater Revival actually became the first act to sign a contract for the event. And they agreed to play for $10,000, which is about the equivalent to $70,000 in nineteen uh, in today's age. Woodstock was actually conceived as a profit-making venture, and it only became a free concert when circumstances prevented the organizers from actually installing fences and ticket booths before opening day. And and I'll get to a little bit about that later. But ticket sales initially were actually limited to uh, record stores in the greater New York City area or by mail via the post office at the Radio City Station post office located in Midtown Manhattan. Around 186,000 advance tickets were sold and organizers actually originally anticipated about uh, 50,000 festival goers to actually turn up. So the original plan was for the festival to take place in Wilkill, New York. Ever been there? Nope. So the amount of people and the uh, and everything kind of um, shocked everyone uh, in that area. So they uh, had had a thirty-acre Mills Industry Park uh, in Wilkill uh, initially selected as as the location, and so Woodstock Ventures uh, leased this land for about $10,000 in the spring of 1969. Uh, town officials were assured that there would be no more than five, uh, 50,000 people who would attend, but the residents of the town immediately opposed the project, and in early July, the town board passed a law requiring a permit for any gathering over 5,000 people. And really, there made it impossible to actually get a permit for... Uh, Woodstock Ventures, so it ultimately, you know, kind of banned people from or banned the the festival from actually taking place at Wilkill. Now there are reports that that this this ban or or the the lack of permitting actually turned out to be a publicity stunt for the festival. Um, oh. So so that's kind of an interesting report. Uh, you know, it's hard to confirm a lot of these things that are. You know, over fifty years old, and and what actually happened, but I thought that was kind of interesting. So, Roberts and Rosamond then set out for 
you know, searching for a new site and they found Max uh, Yasker's dairy farm in Bethel, New York. And this was about 40 miles southwest of Woodstock. So Yasker's land actually formed a natural bowl sloping down to Philippine Pond on the land's north side. And the stage would be set up at, at the bottom of the hill uh, with Philippine Pond forming the backdrop. So this late change in, in the location actually meant that organizers were very unprepared. And so just three days before the event and the, the construction foreman came to Roberts and Roseman and said they had two options, completing the fencing and the, the ticket booths or trying to complete the stage. The problem was that the next morning, and this was Wednesday, uh, it was basically clear that option A wasn't a, po- a possibility because 50,000 people had shown up early and had planted themselves in front of the half-finished stage. So basically it made made it uh, possible to actually take the tickets of the, the concert goers. So basically for the rest of the weekend, you know, if you had a ticket or you didn't have a ticket, people were able to just walk into the, the event. Yeah. So the... The Roberts and, and Rosamond basically ended up in financial ruin because they had, you know, no way to take tickets and, and no way to actually profit from from the event. But their ownership of the film and the recording rights have really turned their their you know finances around, and they actually won an award uh, Academy Award for the documentary Woodstock that was released in March of 1970. So, you know, some information about the the actual event itself. So it started on August 15th at about 5.07 p.m. when Richie Havens hit the stage as the first act and pretty much went almost, you know, 24-7. There was a few, you know, big time slots that, that were empty, but... Jimi Hendrix actually was the last to perform at the concert, and he took the stage at 9 a.m. Monday morning due to yeah. delays uh, because of rain. Yeah, I, I heard that he went on early, and that was kind of a crazy deal. Well, it wasn't that he went on early. I mean, like, so basically on that last, that Sunday, they started the concert at 2 p.m. So they were going from 2 2 p.m. Oh. to 3 p.m., 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., uh, 10 to 11, midnight to 1, you know, 1.30 to 2.30, oh, 3 to 4, six to, uh, 6 to 7, 7.30 to 8, and then 9 to 11. Wow. That is uh, that is wild. I, I – <laughs> I mean, when you're planning a concert or a festival like that, uh, I know that they're not probably the first ones to do it in that way, but that's just wild to think about. They're like, yeah, no, we expect music to be going on at all hours of the day and night. Yeah, I mean, basically, they took they took most of the mornings off, like if they even took a little bit of the morning off. I mean, that first day was, you know, from 5 p.m. all the way till 2 a.m. The second yeah. day was 12 p.m. 30 p.m. to 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. the next morning. Crazy. Yeah. 
So, and one of the, the final things that I'll, I'll throw in here is that actually Creedence Clearwater Revival, the first group to actually join and sign on, they there were some reports that, that they were not happy with their time slot. So they played at, at uh, 12.30 a.m. on Saturday. So the first group to perform gets this 12.30 a.m. to 1, 1.20 a.m., time slot and they were not happy about it apparently <laughs> but they were kicking it off though no so they didn't kick oh, it off no no no, oh, no i thought i thought they were you were saying they kicked it off that. no they they were in the middle of a sa- on saturday oh, R- yeah. richie havens kicked it off at, at five five oh seven on on okay. friday yeah yeah but i feel like at that point i mean maybe in in hindsight, they didn't care, but uh, in the moment, they're like pissed off that they got that time slot. But I'm sure things were going really well at that point. Well, and it's like the Grateful Dead was right before him. Oh, yeah, the Grateful Dead, and then they were followed by Janis Joplin. Again, I, I I guess it's hard for me to say like these if these people were big at the time, but like they're pretty. Those are pretty big names now. Shoot, the yeah. the Who played it. Oh, they're fu- huge names. The Who played at 5 a.m. Yeah, that's crazy. That was early on in The Who, if I remember correctly. So getting to my stats. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to, to touch on as we're talking about artists and their performing and whatnot was a breakdown of, and you, you touched a little bit on this, breakdown of what it costs to hire these people, um, these artists. So the cost was about uh, $140,700 for all artists. And that was in 1979. So in order to hire all those artists, that's a little over $1 million in 2020. Wow. For all of those artists. And while you and I may realize quickly that that's not a lot, it really is not a lot because... Right now, if you were to hire Justin Bieber or Madonna or Justin Timberlake, you were looking at uh, at least a million dollars for a one-night show for a couple hours. And in some of those cases, you're looking at a couple million dollars to book them for an event. So even with a conversion, the fact that they're able to get all of these artists... Now, granted, I think some of these artists really jumped up from Woodstock and and um, developed or got a little bit more added to their their fame, if you would, by being there. Um, so it looks crazy to look back at what they charged, but at the same time, they got a lot of amazing, amazing artists um, on there. So a couple pay a couple uh, booking fees for these. So uh, Jimi Hendrix was eighteen thousand dollars. So that was $130,000 in today's terms. You mentioned CCR at 10000 Janis Joplin and Jefferson Airplane were each paid 7500 to perform, which is around $54,000 in today's money. The Who, who you mentioned, uh, was $6,250, uh, which is about $45,000 today. And then Santana, which we talked about, was $750 dollars now 
he only played a 40, I say only, I don't know how long each of the sets were, but he played a 45 minute set is what I was reading, which for that amount of time was like, oh, well, you know, it, it was kind of worth it. But really in today's money, that's $5,400 for Santana <laughs> to play. So like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's just wild. And, and, and really, I think adds to the allure, the awesomeness of attending an, a festival like that where there are probably some maybe not discovery but just some lesser known bands at the time lesser known artists at the time that are earlier in their careers and you could say that you actually saw them earlier on at one of the most iconic places as i was looking at artists and i just because i wasn't sure if you would touch on this i did, i was curious to look at this isn't numbers per se um though in some cases it could have been affected by that but uh, a couple artists that didn't perform but were invited, I thought was interesting. Yeah. So uh, Led Zeppelin was invent- invited. Yeah. But their manager, Peter Grant, apparently decided that headlining their own concert was preferable. So they could have been there. Bob Dylan said no because reportedly one of his kids fell ill. Um, there was also a rumor that he had become annoyed with the gathering hippies around his home. Uh, which stood near the town of Woodstock. You mentioned Dylan um, as one of the initial uh, interests, I think, because he was a local guy. The Rolling Stones declined because Mick Jagger was in Australia that summer filming a forgotten movie called Ned Kelly, which was funny because that movie uh, did not do well. And nobody really knows what it is. And I thought this was kind of interesting. It opened up another question of mine when I did my research. So the doors were considering Woodstock uh, pretty strongly, but they declined the invitation. Um, Not because of a scheduling conflict, however, Robbie Krieger would later say, we never played at Woodstock because we were stupid and turned it down. We thought it would be the second class repeat of Monterey Pop Festival, which I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know what this festival was, so I looked it up. Um, so it was a three-day concert in June 1969 in Monterey County Fairgrounds, California. That concert, when I looked into it, um, estimated uh, between 25 and 90,000 people, which it's is pretty a large. joke. It's it's yes, yeah, so it's pretty large, but uh, it's kind of a joke compared to not a joke. I take that back. It is small in comparison to what you know, we saw with, with Woodstock. Um, if you are curious, this, this one, which again, I don't think it gets any love, but Jefferson airplane, the who grateful dead, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Otis Redding, mamas and papas, all those bands played at this Monterey pop festival. So this was like big name, uh, in this, in the late sixties. And, uh, it's interesting that the doors turned it down because they were like, yeah, we don't want to go to this second, you know, second fiddle concert uh, that is Woodstock. And little did they know that over half a million people or around, estimated around half a million people would come to that, you know, farm to watch the music. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, obviously, of that, 180,000 or so um, were sold prior to the festival weekend, which means that the remaining couple hundred thousand were just going over the fences that were not fully built. The tickets 
weren't free. Advanced tickets cost about $18 for the three-day pass uh, if they were bought in those record stores, which you mentioned, um, which in, in 2019 money uh, or 2020 money, it's $125 a ticket. Still pretty good um, for three days. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like for, for one day, $125 ticket, a ticket to see notable artists is a pretty good deal, I think. Um, yeah, I don't go I to don't a ton so. of concerts these days, but I would think that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, to get three days out of it, that's that's kind of unreal. I, I had to actually look up a photo because the one thing I read, it just said $18 for a ticket, but it was for that three-day pass. And that's when I'm like, it was $6 a day. $6 a day, that's it's unfathomable. But yeah, so... So in uh, comparison, which, in comparison, yeah. Bumper yep. Shoot, which is, which is a pretty well-known, Mo- yep. uh, you know, concert festival here in seattle uh is mm-hmm. 240 dollars for their general admission three-day pass and bumbershoot gets maybe three to six notable artists that were popular 20 years ago <laughs> um so, uh, and i uh, i mean there there's a mixture. i mean they get new artists but like in terms of of show liners like notable our acts or, or artists let's see let's I see feel like they're no nah, they're, they're uh, so this is 2018 2018 has okay. j cole the chain smokers lil wayne uh ludicrous t-pain yep yep uh, you're you're just confirming my uh <laughs> i don't know if you realize that 20 years ago was the early 2000s brian when ludicrous was popular <laughs> i mean uh, I would say that, but there's there's a lot of here in here that I have no idea who they even are because I'm not I'm not up to date. Yes, on. and I I will say I'm sure they I know that they I've been to Bumbershoot and they get younger up and coming artists, local artists. Um, it's not that they don't do that, and they may become somebody. But in terms of you know bringing pulling people in, Chance the rapper, different. Chance the rapper in 2015, he would have been right in that time period though. Okay. The weekend in 2015 also was there. All right. So there's there's a couple that at that time were you know Chance Ho- was pretty big in 15 I think or Hozier and Ellie Golding. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean I, I would say I would say three are very typically two to three that are very big names at the time, and then there are you know probably five to six that are. Uh, no name or not no names, but uh, up and coming. Yeah, 2015 yeah. also has Casey Musgraves and Chris Stapleton, both who are very big country artists now. Yeah, yeah, Stapleton's huge right yeah. now. So yeah, okay, all right, I'll give him a little bit more credit than I was giving them, but <laughs> but still, you know, it's not like I it's mean, not maybe ca- it's it's comparable, but like it, it's not like you're getting these iconic artists. And granted, it's, it's easy to go back in time and say, in 1969, you know, all of these people were amazing. But, like, you, we don't know that. I mean, you can kind of look at each one of their careers and maybe see where they were at that point. But um, my guess is that most of them were notable. Um, if you're reaching out to all of the best bands in the in the world, you know, it, it it's going to be a good concert. But anyway, it, it was a really good deal at $125 in conversion money or for 18 for the three day in, in that time. But so Woodstock was actually 
looking to charge $24 a ticket for, for the three-day pass uh, at Gates. But as you know, mentioned and we talked about, that didn't happen. Just people just came to it. Um, and as many as 10%, around 18,000 or so of the previously sold tickets were uh, refunded. And there was actually like a case to like get, maybe not a case, but just like a, a big class action to get money back for those people because they couldn't get to the festival because of the traffic jams. People were literally parking in the streets for miles uh, because, and so like there was no access to there aside from walking there. And so people would just leave their car. Uh, I can't even imagine how long, if you just had that, but can you imagine going to, to Woodstock, which was raining for, for I believe a fair amount of the concert, if not all of it. And then be like, okay, it's done. That was amazing. That was the greatest time of my life. Now I have to walk back to my car that's now parked in the middle of the street and I can't move it because there's other cars in front and behind me. Like, yeah. I would just want to go home and take a shower. But maybe I'm not a, a hippie. Well, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the culture. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was interesting. You mentioned, I think you mentioned that, you know, there was a lot of cost associated to this concert. And so... 1.4 million was the amount of debt that the promoters were initially left with. And the damage was so extensive to the farm that the organizers had to shell out an extra $50,000, which is uh, 349,000 in today's money so that they could feed, uh, so that the owner of the farm could feed his cattle over the winter. Um, so they, they made some pretty significant damage there. Yeah, I saw I saw he uh, refused to let them come back the next year because he wanted to go back to being a dairy farm the yeah. following year. So, I I am curious how. Well, I guess I I guess it, you know I'll get to this. I'll, I'll touch on it right now, and then I'll share my my favorite stat uh, after this. But yeah, so the, the I was curious to see like how you know we know that this is one of the most iconic concerts of all time, but how. Did, do you think they realized it in the moment and or shortly afterwards that this was the most iconic concert? And I think they did. And so Woodstock, uh, or they came out with a, a, the Woodstock film, which was directed by Michael Wadley and brought to life by a handful of editor, editors, including uh, Oscar winner Martin Scorsese, who helped edit the three-hour film, um, which, you know, talked about the trawl through the music performances and and uh, the swelling around them but it set a benchmark for concert films and became one of the the biggest box office successes of 1970 grossing more than 50 million which uh, dwarfed the six hundred thousand dollars it cost to make it so they made a ton of money based off of the film and my guess is that some of those people that had the debt had some some play in that um, but I wanted to share, like, this is my favorite stat. It was related to the, um, it's not even a stat, it's a story with a stat. So the crowd was insane, right? Like they anticipated, I think you said 50,000, right? Yeah. Like they thought out of how many bought and then how many would show and all that other stuff, they anticipated 50,000. So it was about 10x what they anticipated. Uh, so for that crowd, you're going to expect you need a lot of food, right? So... Woodstock was so big that the traditional stadium caterers weren't pre prepared to support. 
as supplies of the foods dwindled, the there was a group of three entrepreneurial caterers that kind of took over for this, and they were known as Food for Love team. They decided to raise the burgers from twenty five cents to one dollar because you know supplies were low, and they're just trying to you know sell as many as they can with making money, right? Uh, well, the hunger, the hungry hordes were not happy. And two of the concessions were burnt to the ground Yikes. because of that. So, yeah. uh, because they increased the burger by 75 cents. Uh, I mean, 75 cents at that time was a big deal, too. It is a, it is a big deal, uh, but it's just funny. You know, it's, it's Woodstock. It's a lot of hippies and all for love and peace and happiness. But burn that burger shack down because you increased my the price of the burger yeah you know i i always you know as i was doing this research i was comparing that to the fire festival and, and i have to say i i've not watched the uh documentary on woodstock and i i maybe we i do did uh, I, I, well i didn't know about it until until doing the research yeah and uh so i i'm now intrigued to watch it I, I've I've seen the fire festival stuff, uh, but not. But not really. Yeah, so that's where my mind kept going. Was like this: the more and more I do the research on it, the more and more it feels like it's the fire festival. And you know, for those of you who don't know about the fire festival, it's it was this f- music festival that um, a guy named Billy McFarland, along with partnering with Jaw Rule were going to try to put on in their private island or some type of Caribbean island and and make this very upscale concert experience for uh, I would say you know well off uh, you know teenagers and and college kids who could afford to fly down to a uh, you know island. Um, Caribbean island somewhere and, and attend this concert and doing a lot of social tactics to build up interest for it and and a lot of shady things and anyways but yeah the 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 things that coincided are, are you know there's obviously you have the hippies versus you know these very well-off upscale teenage kids and you know that might be flying privately down to these areas but uh, there's a lot of similarities to me and, and obviously one went off well and one didn't even mm-hmm. happen. So, you know, I, I yeah. it's kind of interesting. The, I think part of that is honestly social media too. And if there was social media, oh, with yeah, Woodstock, sure. you know, and, and the Ooh. performers saw what was going on at Woodstock prior to Are arriving. That, that's 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 uh, something I haven't even thought about until you br- bring it up right now. But can you imagine if if social media existed when Woodstock was happening and just people now just want to be a part of something like that? Maybe they did that too, but now it's so quick to get that information around that it's happening. That place would have been burned to the ground, and it would have been millions of people. Uh, well, and, and it it would, just, there would have been no musicians because who in their right mind would, as a musician, would show up to, you know, Bethel, New York, with probably not much there to support them, you know, and and yeah. uh, you know what their needs are. So you, I guess I'd have to watch the documentary to see if if the the musicians were treated well and all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, I just, I, I guess I did a disservice for this podcast, not knowing that, but as I thought about it, it was like, okay, if you throw social media into this game and, and, you know, the artists are checking their social media and seeing, oh man, this, this is a wreck. Like it's going to take us forever to get in and out of this place or whatever it might be. There probably would have been some that no showed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. Well, do you want to, that was all my, uh, my stats. Did you want to jump into some friendship tests? Uh, I guess that's the next segment. So we better go that way. (laughs) We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Brian. So the first question in your uh, limited but now resourced mind on pop culture and music culture, do you think Woodstock is the best music event in history of all time? Single single event or? I say, sing, I mean, the festival is a three-day event um of all time so like not just day or, or necessarily a moment but like like for instance coachella right like coachella happens every year yeah i think you could you could throw coachella in there as a uh, whole or or like i i think as a whole i think as a whole is fine um, if you want to compare coachella and some of these other ones to yeah. suck i think they're they're different in a way because they you know it's every year like you said but yeah. um that makes it really hard, right? Because yeah. it's like a singular event. Obviously, Woodstock is is you know probably the cream of the crop. But if you say like, okay, I can take you know Coachella as a yearly festival and and it's its own thing, man, that makes that hard. I guess I'm gonna have to go with Coachella. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, I I. I can't judge you on your decision there because I don't, I actually don't know a ton about Coachella either. It, you know, I know it's an iconic music festival that happens every year, but I don't know to me on the surface level and name value alone. I, I kind of scoff at that. Like how could it be better than, than Woodstock? But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I can't disagree with you there. I guess maybe that's fine uh, of an answer, but uh, <laughs> like I, I want to be more intentional in my in my uh, distaste in that opinion. But I just don't know. I know Coachella gets a lot of love. Yeah, but it's hard. It's hard to compare. It is really hard to compare. You know, a Coachella like event to a, a one and done iconic thing in history. You know, I, I, I've looked up just to kind of refresh my mind on some iconic, you know, music festivals of all time. And, you know, Coachella, it comes up there, right? Like it's, it's I think a lot of places have it as the top 10 thing. Uh, a couple other notable ones, Bonnaroo mm. was a really big one. Lollapalooza. Another one I've heard about is in the 90s. Burning Man. Have you heard about Burning Man? The one oh, yeah, in the, I have heard of Burning desert. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like a super niche one. Um, I feel like, but I've heard a lot about that one. Yeah, yeah, those are those are some of the more the newer ones, uh, newer in the last you know twenty thirty years. I guess I would say Newport Folk Festival. That was another one, an old one. I mean, the thing um, about the thing about Coachella is like, so the the problem with Woodstock is it's one stage, right? And it was one after another after another. 
you just even look at Coachella as a whole and it's like multiple stages and you know you could have some massive performances I mean the, you have Beyonce a couple years ago did a live stream from Coachella and it was a you know really amazing uh performance and impactful performance that she did like it's just a different time and so it's hard to compare but like the fact that they're doing it every every year and bringing in these names is is just kind of crazy yeah yeah i I think so for for me um so one one of the things that i'll just give a little bit of love to because i didn't know about them a lot of places have the um monterey pop festival as either the number one or number two in their rankings which again is really interesting because they feel like they get overshadowed by woodstock at least you know Maybe I, I am not, you know, as diehard. I'm sure a lot of diehard, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s rock, you know, people that follow those bands were like, oh, of course, the Monterey you know, Pop Festival. I just don't know much about it. But for me, um, and maybe this is because it's a little bit more, I know a little bit more about it than I did about Woodstock. I think I would actually put Live Aid as the number one for mm. me. And, you know, just some quick hitters on that one. Um, so that was that happened in the '80s, and it was the first live multi-venue event with over seventy thousand at Wembley in London and a hundred thousand at JFK Stadium in Philly. So a little bit near and dear to my heart. Um, so really cool that they were able to do kind of the simulcast thing. And I mean, the artists. I talked about how like Jimmy and some of these other artists were really, I mean, incredibly the who iconic guys love, love, love them. But the eighties, if you're talking about music that I was even more inspired by, there's a lot more, you know, that my siblings listened to growing up because they actually were living that. uh, And then even, you know, had that long, you know, beyond it, but you had some of the old ones like the who you had Crosby, Stills and Nash, you had Madonna, you had U2, you had Queen, you had Bowie. Like the artists were just, I think that might have been the best. And I didn't even name Led Zeppelin was there. Like it was everybody. Yeah. Everybody was at Live Aid. And I think that one to me, it's got to be the number one. And maybe it's not as iconic, but just in terms of, you know, epic, epic proportions of a, of a show, it's got to be number one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Would you attend Woodstock? Uh, I think if I didn't know it was Woodstock, you know, I knew it was a concert that was happening. If I was one of those, you know, people in 1969 making the decision and it was me, I would not be going. Yeah. Um, I love music. And I think if a bunch of people were talking about it, then yes, I probably would be have a little bit of FOMO and I would probably be one of those people if I'm with Alyssa I'm probably buying one of the tickets um, she's not going to be one of the people that walks over the fence and just says I'm here whereas I <laughs> didn't walk like, well everybody else is doing it the fence wasn't even there well sure but they you know they skipped over the the rules she you know she's she's more of a rule follower but I don't think we would go I, I think looking back at it it's easy to say oh of course I would go it's epic whatever but I think at that time, I don't think I would have gone. 
Um, and if it was offered today and I knew that it was going to be iconic and the great, one of the greatest things of all time for music, then yeah, I would go, I, I would go in a heartbeat. But I think at the time it's hard to, I would have probably had the same doubts that the doors had. Yeah. I, I don't think I would go either. I, I mean, it, to, to know one, I don't like that many people. I, I mean, I just yeah, don't want to be sure. in that. Like I'm a small town guy. Like, I would have been yeah. one of the people from Bethel who was like, why are you guys all here? Like, go go back to New York City. Go back home. I, we want our little yeah. town back. Uh, that that would have been me, old crotchety guy <laughs> who likes his old town. Uh, but I wouldn't attend even if I was younger. I, I, I mean, I'm not a big concert goer in general. And, sure. you know, even if I would have liked a handful of the artists – I feel like I would have had to like a lot of them to to be willing to go to Bethel, New York to attend this concert in this field. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, you know, let's let's assume that you do find yourself there. Who are you most excited of that roster of artists that we both talked about? Who who are you who would you have been most excited to see? Is there any of them that you know jumped out at you? Uh, I think, I mean, honestly, you know, Jimmy is the one that jumps out to me the most. I mean, it's one, I think being in the Seattle area and, you know, having his influence for, you know, most of my life, um, at least here in Washington, uh, I think that's probably where I initially go. Yeah. Cause it, it's again, one of those he's just iconic and i know that 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 performance that he had was iconic as well yeah yeah it's hard to argue with jimmy i think he's he's definitely up there i think when i look back of of the really notable artists that are on that roster i think jimmy for me being on the east coast like jimmy was epic and you knew every like he was iconic and everything else but like he wasn't like one of the like heavy ones that that I knew growing up but I would say for me probably the who uh would be would be one um that I would probably be the most excited for and you know I'd love to see a lot of these other ones I think Jefferson Airplane jumps up jumps out to me uh Janis Joplin would be really cool to see her in in her heyday but and there's a a bunch of CCR would be epic like I I love some of their music i still love some of their music but i think the who is probably if i had to pick one i'd probably pick them Hmm. okay well uh real quick because we're we're running over time for Mm -hmm. concerts what do you prefer outdoor concerts arenas or or stadiums um that's that's honestly really tough and i know you wanted to be quick but i think i think i would say outdoor um, I, I've, I've been to probably all of these and I think outdoor has the most unique feel to it mm-hmm. where you can kind of be amongst thousands of other people and if there's a communal spirit to it, uh, if you've ever gone to a country concert outdoors, it's even like it has an extra, I'm not a country person, but they had, there's this extra vibe to it, which I'm sure this, you know, Woodstock and other ones had, um, where it's just like you know we're all in this like this cool 
place vibe going on. And um, so I, I think I would go outdoors as my go-to. Yeah, same here. I mean, one, I'm a bigger guy, so I don't like to sit in the seats anyways. You yeah. know, if it is something, a concert that you would sit in the seats, but just even being confined into that area, I don't necessarily like. So I like to be able to, um, you know, spread out and all that kind of stuff. I, I do have a question. Are you a person who would go like up to the stage and stand in the stage area or are you like a outdoor find a nice area you know lay down your your blanket or your chairs or whatever yeah i am not a groupie level fan of any band all right so i would not be interested in that but i i would definitely you know so now it doesn't mean i won't be somewhat communal with the groups around us and uh i won't be like super in you know in people's faces or anything but just like you know there's a communal aspect when you're with your neighbors or your tent mates if you're you know staying overnight or whatever to just kind of have that vibe going on i don't know there's there's something special about that but no i'm not i'm not groupie level yeah okay i was just trying to figure that out because you're the way you talked about the group and the communal aspect of it i i wasn't sure if you were like one of those standing up at the front of the stage or or in the group in the big group at the front yeah Makes sense. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get into some delusional thinking because we've talked a long time about Woodstock. You really are crazy. All right, Brian. Today's question uh, very topical as as per per usual. <laughs> One's it not topical? Uh, <laughs> true. True. Would you rather go back to Woodstock and watch live? Uh, so we're going back to 1969 or yeah. go 50 years into the future yeah. and watch 32 artists perform in a Woodstock like event. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this is interesting because there's pros and cons to both of them. And, you know, obviously going back in time and experience it would be, would be pretty incredible. Cause you know, we talked about what the level of all of these bigger names are and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it sounded like Jimi Hendrix only performed for 200,000 people, you know, and, and not that many people compared to whoever, all the other people who were there. So, you know, maybe you could have gotten a little bit closer or, you know, it would have been whatever, like you just don't know, um, what the interests of people were at that time. And so mm-hmm. maybe somebody who's a big name later in life really, you know, wasn't that big. And so nobody paid attention to them performing and, and, you know, maybe you're able to see them or interact with them. I don't know. Um, you and know, so I, and I want to cut you off, but this is how I at least view the question is that you get to go back in time or in the future experience that event and then you come back to your normal time yeah so you can share okay so i just want to make that yeah. clear yeah yeah. yeah 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 and and um so i i don't know that i would love that experience because of of you know what actually happened now let's go to the 50 years in the future you go 50 years in the future and you're able to experience this concert of 32 people and 
Um, the, you know, uh, you learn about these people cause you've never heard of them. So from a, a purely, you know, experience standpoint, you're not going to have as much fun. Right. But mm -hmm. the information gathering that you can do from the future, you, and, and you say, oh, well, this person's going to be up and coming. This person's going to be good. You yeah. can start to hitch your wagon to, you know, some of these names. Oh, people are loving this guy. You know, there's a ton of people at this, this, this woman's concert. Um, and you can start to hitch your wagon towards them and, and find them earlier. And, you know, it's not all about the money, but you could financially attach yourself to them as well and, and sure. become a promoter sure. and, and the, valuable information from the future you know supersedes anything from the past so so i'm gonna have to pick you know going into the future even though it wouldn't be as much of a great experience for me because i'd probably be like man this music's terrible but if i can <laughs> if i can you know vibe off of the people who are in attendance and figure out who they really enjoy i can bring that information back sure. use it to my advantage in my next 50 years. Yeah. I mean, I get the appeal of that, right? Like there, every, anytime we talk about going to the future, it's so hard not to connect that monetary, like, Ooh, well, I could benefit from this. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, just to kind of stick in the future as I, as I talk this through, I am a hundred percent with you in that the music probably will stink. Like it will be, some, I don't know, auto tune, some just like they're not, it's just DJ. I don't even know. It's not going to be, I mean, I don't think it'll change that drastically in 50 years. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe it will. Uh, maybe it will. And it does seem like things are going towards a path that I'm like, eh, it's fine, but it's not like good. Um, and it probably will continue that path. So if I'm going to have a good time, I don't think the future is the place to go. And yes, there are be other benefits like you said, but I'm going to a concert to experience the music. And now, yes, I am experiencing a new music and that does intrigue me. I am intrigued to find out what it is and that's an experience, but I don't think I'll enjoy it as much. I think I will go there more for my curiosities. Flip flop to the other side, the pros and the cons of that. So, going back in history to witness an iconic concert is special. It's just special. Like to say that you were at Woodside, I mean, no one would believe you. It would kind of make no sense, but no one will believe you on the other end either. <laughs> but like the Woodstock one to be like, Oh my gosh, I was there. Like I, I experienced that. And, and to be a part of a historic event. The other thing you have to think about is 50 years from now, that iconic it may be iconic, but it's going to be Coachella level iconic. Whereas, you know, I don't think, I don't think Co you could argue that Coachella is a better concert, but I don't think it's more iconic than, uh, than Woodstock. Um, and so for me, that 50 years from now is another Coachella like event. Whereas Woodstock is a one and done iconic thing. So going back there would be really cool. The, I also enjoy a lot of the artists. I'd love to hear them in their early or you know, wherever they are in their stages. I think that would be 
really exciting. Wait, are you gonna not, pick? Are you gonna pick going back into the past? I I haven't finished yet. Let well, me, get let to me the point then. I, well, I'm getting to the point of what where I, my hesitation is because I definitely lean that way, but my hesitation, honestly, is the weather. And that's what if it rains at your other one? Well, it could, but you know it's going to rain at Woodstock, and it's a slog. That's your it's decision. Like mud. That is your decision. I, I, that is what I you're basing like it your would be decision. Miserable on. standing. It might be miserable standing. I would have. I, I will have to, as many of the people there. Uh, though I wouldn't indulge in the drug side of things, but I may have a couple drinks to just forget where I am physically. Um, because that sounds like it's pretty awful. Um, but the music is epic, and that's why you go to a concert for the music. And okay, the what are you deciding? Come on. I'm going with Woodstock. That is my decision. Okay, okay. Because if you were going to decide to go the other way based off of the weather, I was going to be more pissed off at you for, <laughs> for, for agreeing with me than I am yeah. with you disagreeing with me because I get where you're coming from. I think financially I'm going to do better, better, but you want to go for the experience. Okay, I, I get that. If you said, eh, yeah. I want to go for oh. the experience, but the weather, and you, you went to the future, then I was going to be like, Justin, I, I, I'm, this is the, the most like disagreeable, delusional thing we've <laughs> ever had because we've agreed, yet I can't understand why you agreed with me. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm definitely obviously choosing that, but I can't understate that it would be pretty miserable to be in a, in just rain and mud and grossness for like, I mean, the first day was, I think, okay, but then the next two days were rain. Like that's miserable. I, I, I don't think you, you understand how miserable it is to stand in mud for like 48 straight hours. Well, I mean, it, it looked like a lot of people enjoyed themselves from all the photos Cause, and videos. Cause I've seen. they were drinking in on drugs, Brian. Well, and the music was epic. I mean, which yeah. I think if the music is epic and I have a few beers, I'll be okay. I can look past the the uh, mud. I will have a lot of beers or whatever. Future I, beers? Yeah, because I will be making a lot of money when I find the next Beyonce or whoever might be performing at this Coachella in 50 years. So sure. I'm okay well, with that. Enjoy yourself. enjoy yourself in the future, Brian. I'm going back to the past. Like like the cool kids. Yeah, I don't know why. And uh, but yeah, if if uh, I'm curious what what the listeners would think, what what they would prefer to do, please please don't forget to uh, reach out, give us some reviews, give us some love. Uh, I've been getting more verbal uh, and text messages recently, so oh, that's good. Uh, good. If uh, yeah, so the people are listening, which is good. But uh, but yeah, don't don't be afraid to give us a review if you haven't already. Apple Podcasts is a great place to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple, like I said, or, or Google, and uh, and don't forget to follow us on our, our social media platforms. Press mm. for one hundred on Twitter, uh, and coming soon, we're, we're back at it. With uh, oh, are we? Yes, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna post mm. the uh, the quarantine like twenty. Uh, you can't post them week. all together. That's that's just no, cheating. It's, it's, that's no, cheating. No, it's gonna happen. And then uh, you need a hundred posts. 90. You need a hundred posts on that Instagram account before I we call it. I started that Instagram account like fifty in. So, oh uh, well, yeah. Whose eh, fault is that? Whatever. 
we'll, we'll make it work. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great post. It's, it's going to be perfect. Uh, believe me. But it's if you want to see that epic post, you want to see 100. that epic, epic post that's coming, yeah. follow us on Instagram or on Facebook at Quest for 100 Podcast. All right. Until next time on the Quest for 100. Thank you.